And so, and so we've talked about how the need of mentoring and, and different things has got to take place. And, and so I encourage us, if we're going to be apostolic in the 21st century, then we've got to learn how to mentor people. Newsflash, that's what Jesus did. He took 12 and he mentored them. Oh, and by the way, I'm not trying to trace a rabbit trail here, but just because you spend time and invest time into people and, and mentor people doesn't mean they're going to always do what's right. Even Jesus lost one. <laughs> well, glory. Well, I, I just I, I don't know if I got what it takes. Well, you probably don't, but Jesus apparently didn't either. <laughs> But God says if, we will, if, if we'll mentor, if we'll help people, then they're not going to make it on their own. We need to help them. And Barnabas, to, I'm going to submit to this church today that if it hadn't been for a martyr named Stephen and a mentor named Barnabas, Paul would have never written two-thirds of the New Testament. We don't ever talk about those guys. All we hear about is Paul this and Paul that. But a martyr named Stephen and a mentor named Barnabas established a course for the apostle Paul to impact the world. Wow. I wonder who we're impacting. Amen? Well, glory. Again, not trying to chase a rabbit, but I, that's very, very apostolic. The Bible says that he spake boldly in the name of the Lord uh, Jesus and disputed with the Grecians, but they went about to slay him, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarshish. Again, here we see another example. Paul's preaching is getting to the point that it's offending people, but the brethren, the church, is coming together to protect the apostle Paul. Wow, what an emblem of what the church looks like. What a picture of what the church looks like. Amen. Okay. And then the churches had rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and comfort of the Holy Ghost. They were multiplied. God moved. God blessed. God ministered. And it came to pass as Peter passed through all quarters. He came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydia. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise. Make thy bed. And he arose immediately. Wow, what an incredible thing. God was doing miracles with the church. And all that dwelt at Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Again, miracles weren't meant to be an end to the church. Peter wasn't just looking to be magic hands all of a sudden. Peter was trying to help people grow in the knowledge of who Jesus was. And God would use miracles, signs, and wonders to confirm his word. Amen. Not validate the preacher, not build a church for the sake of having big buildings and large offerings. God did it so that this word would be confirmed. And there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydia was nigh to Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent unto him two men, desiring that he would not delay to come to them. Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand, lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive, and it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, 
a tanner. Again, we see a miraculous resurrection of a lady named Tabitha or Dorcas, depending on how you, which name you want to go with. This was an incredible lady of faith, an incredible lady, a saint of God, that God said, God used her death to promote his gospel. Okay? God would move in a mighty way. Because of her faithfulness, God would show up and show out. And we see Peter doing, um, God's using Peter to do miracles. But through it all, people are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. People are, people's lives are being changed. They're turning away from ritualistic religion and coming into an experience and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, all this is good because all up to this point, We've seen that the only people that have come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ are, are Jews or they are Samaritans, which are part Jew, part Gentile. Okay, So they, they, they are either pure-blood Jews or they have a form of Judaism in their life. Chapter 10 is the turning point. And if there ought to be a favorite chapter of yours in the Bible, it ought to be Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 makes it possible for us to be here. Okay? Because I don't think anybody, now I may be wrong about this, but I don't think anybody here is a, a pure-blood Jew. We're not all of, of, of Abraham's seed naturally, okay? But chapter 10 makes it where we can be of Abraham's seed spiritually, okay? Here we see a transition. The Bible says there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Verse number 2, see it closely, read it with me, I want you to see it, I want you to get it, he says, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. I want to establish a very important principle right here or let you know of something very clearly, Cornelius is an incredibly good man, by all accounts, he is a man of good morals, he has a desire to please God. Somewhere along the way, he has come in contact with Jehovah of the Old Testament. We don't know where it is, how it is. Uh, some, some theologians and commentators tell us that Cornelius, because of his influence as a Roman officer, as a Roman soldier, helped give money to build one of the synagogues there in Caesarea. Uh, he has a very uh, important place in Judaism, but he is not a Jew. He's not of the seed of Abraham, and he's considered by Judaism to be an outcast. He's not a part of covenant, but he's still got a desire to please God. Okay, He's a good man. He's still got a desire to please God. And in verse 3, the Bible says, He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Let me go ahead and tell you that no matter who you are tonight, no matter how much uh, you know about God, when you and I pray or when anybody prays, God hears their prayers. Okay? Now, I do believe that as a child of God and, and, and being a, 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 uh, under the name of Jesus and all of those things that I have, I, I do believe that, that, that God hears His children. Okay? It's just, let's just say it like that. Your, your babies come to you, they're going to get something that maybe, maybe somebody else's kids aren't going to get because they're yours, right? So I do believe that. However, God hears everybody's prayers. Okay? And, and, and in Cornelius' instant, those prayers and the things that he had done, the good deeds that he had done, God had seen what he did. He, he's, he's understanding Cornelius is operating 
under the knowledge that he has. Okay? But get this. God does not tell Cornelius, man, I see your prayers. I see the good deeds that you've done. You're saved. Oh, I'm going here. I'm going down this trail. Uh, very quickly, I'm going to go down this trail. There is doctrines that are preached. One of the, one of the popular ones, it seems like right now, is, is something called light doctrine. And it's this doctrine that says... You can, you can be saved based just on the light that you walked in. Okay? So if all you know is just do good stuff and try to live a moral life, you can still be saved. Well, that sounds great, but if that's true, I'm not bringing my kids to Sunday school because I want them to be saved. I don't want them to go to hell. So I'm not going to tell them about Jesus because if I tell them about Jesus and they rebel from it, they're lost. So the best thing I do is to get all of our kids, send them home, Bring all of our missionaries back. Don't start another church. Don't evangelize. Because if, if, if people are going to be saved based on the light they have, well, my Lord, let's not shine the light any brighter. Well, this, Acts chapter 10, proves light doctrine is not true. Because if light doctrine was true, the Lord would have said, you're doing good. You're walking in the light that you have. Okay? So, Again, back off that rabbit trail because we'd go down that and we'd be here a while. The Bible says that the, that the Lord, the angel of the Lord appears to Cornelius and says, You're doing great. It's come up for a memorial before God. But here's what you need to do. Send men to Joppa. Call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a Tanner, whose house is by the seaside. Seashad. We'll get it out here in a minute. He shall tell you what you ought to do. In other words, he's going to tell you what you need to do to be right. Okay? This isn't a willy-nilly thing. This isn't a happenstance. God tells Cornelius, I'm going to send you a preacher. Now, thank God for the five-fold ministry. They're not here to be uh, lords and governors over us. They are meant to guide us into truth. I say that because I'm going to tell you right now, I have no intention, I don't have time, nor do I want to police your personal life. I'm not, Billy Joe, I ain't never going to drive by your house going, what's he doing today? <laughs> There's no way I'm going to do, I, I come knocking on, on, on Sister Sonia's door. Let, let's see, I want an inspection and make sure, I'm not doing that junk. But you know what I am going to do? I'm going to help God. And to grow and to equip the church. That's my job, okay? Really, really that simple, okay? That's the point of the ministry. And that's why God sent uh, Cornelius a word to send for Simon Peter. It was not for Simon Peter to lord over him. It was for Simon Peter to instruct him and guide him in the way that Cornelius should go. Everybody with me so far? Okay? And so... This is what happens. When the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier. And when he had declared all these things, he sent them to Joppa. Okay? Now, Simon Peter is at Joppa. And as they journeyed and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up to the house up to pray about the sixth hour, about noon. And he became very hungry. Why? Because he's a preacher. He's up there praying, having a good time, studying, looks at his watch and goes, you know what, I think it's time to eat. And, and, he, and he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, 
The Bible says he fell into a trance. He sees a vision. He saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. He saw basically a blanket coming down. And in all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and fowls of the air. Now, what he's seeing is a, uh, is a vision of animals that are by Levitical law considered to be unclean. Okay, Think of it like this. He saw bacon for the first time. He gets a revelation, folks. Okay, He sees pigs and he sees, he sees all kinds of stuff that... That maybe other catfish and stuff. Yeah, I heard it. That's it. That's it. He sees all of that stuff. And this is what happens. There came a voice to him. Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. Now, Peter, even though he's a Christian, he follows Jesus Christ. He's a really good Jew still. He really is. He's a good Jew. And he said, no, Lord. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. I can't eat that by Mosaic law. Now, this is a very... Uh, this is a very well thought out response. He's not being trying to be disobedient or disrespectful. He's saying, oh no, I'm I'm committed, God. (laughs) To which the voice says, what God has cleansed, that call not thou common. Wait a minute, Peter. If I've cleansed it, it's no longer common. And Peter, the Bible says, this was done thrice. The vessel received up into heaven. He saw it three times. Now Peter's doubting in himself what the vision which he had seen should mean. The, the men that were sent from Cornelius made inquiry at Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, who was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. And while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, There's three guys at the door. They're coming for you, Peter. Arise, therefore, and get down and go with them, doubting nothing. For I have sent them. This is an incredible moment. Peter is basically being set up by the Holy Ghost. He sees the vision three times, which, which is when you see something in triplicate in any time in Scripture, you, it's, a, it's stressed. Okay, It's like when you see in Isaiah 6, in chapter 6, where the angels cry, Holy, holy, holy. It's, it, it's, it's stressing that God is, is extremely perfect and holy. Well, here he's seeing something three times. It's going to happen, and it's, it, it's very important. And now God's talking to him and saying, Hey, the men that are seeking you are at the door. You need to go with them. Don't doubt, because it's all, all a part of my plan. Peter goes down, and, and, and he sees them, and, and, and he says, I'm, I'm whom you seek. What is the cause whereof ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that fears God, and good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear the words of thee. So he called them in, lodged there, and the morrow Peter went with them. But he also went with them with certain brethren from Joppa, accompanied him. This is important. Peter says, okay, some, God's up to something. So... I know I'm a Jew. I don't normally hang out with Gentiles. In fact, the law would forbid it. He talks about that here in a minute. And so he brings his comrades with him. He, I don't know who was with him. I don't know if Simon the Tanner went with him. I don't know. But some of the brethren, the Jewish brethren, he said, y'all coming with me. We're going to go see what, what's up here. Y'all go, I'm not getting in this by myself, okay? We're going to go to the hood and y'all coming with me. That's kind of his thoughts, okay? I'm not going to the hood by myself, okay? Amen. So he gets them all with him and they go and they go see what God is doing. 
Okay? And the morrow, the Bible says, when they entered into the Caesarea, Cornelius waited for them, and he had called together his kinsmen and near friends. They walked into Cornelius' house, and it's packed full of people, both of Cornelius' family and his friends. And so Peter starts talking to him. And I'm going to kind of I'm going to rush through this just a little bit. I'm not going to read it verbatim. But basically what he's saying here is they start talking to him and asking, Why am I here? This is what I've seen. Why am I here? And Cornelius tells him, well, a few days ago, I was praying, and the angel of the Lord showed up. And he said to send for you, and you're supposed to help me uh, get saved. And so, so I want you, I sent for you, and so I need you. We're all present before God to hear all the things which are commanded thee of God. So Peter says, sounds like a God thing. And he says this, he says, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Peter gets a revelation standing there in Cornelius' living room, so to speak. He gets a revelation that, wait a minute, God wants to do something not just in the Jewish nation or among the Samaritans. God wants to do something among every nation. And if we'll believe him and if we'll seek his face, he's going to reveal truth. And so that's exactly what Peter begins to preach. He says, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of these things. Uh, and him God raised up the third. He, he just starts preaching Jesus Christ. Now Peter's getting excited. He's like, man, this is awesome. Y'all are doing great, but let me tell you who Jesus is. And he's just, he's just preaching. And the Bible says that as Peter spake these words, verses 44, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. Peter's preaching. He's, not, he's, ta- he's teaching a Bible study. And the Spirit of God moves. And the next thing he knows, Cornelius and his family are receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Get this. This is important. The Jews are like punching each other going, Do you hear this? Do you see this? These Gentiles, these Roman soldiers, these Romans here in Caesarea, they're getting the Holy Ghost. Now here's the kicker. Okay? Because this is important. People want to talk about what it means to receive the Holy Ghost. If you don't catch this, you're going to lose the biggest tool in your tool belt when teaching a Bible study. They heard them, they, 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 because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. How did they know that the Spirit of God had sat down on these Gentiles? They heard them speak in tongues. They said, we know all about this tongue-talking stuff. We've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. That's what we've been preaching. The Holy Ghost moved, and this is what happened. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? What's he saying? He said, just like we got the Holy Ghost, they got the Holy Ghost. But guess what? They've got to be baptized. They've got to be baptized. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Now, very quickly, just because I've been on this kick for about four days now. We know at Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I talked about that Sunday. 
Peter said, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now we've got a third formula. They were baptized. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So either we have three different formulas or there's all one major thread between all three of them. Is everybody with me? Either we got three different formulas in Scripture or it's all the same formula, the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus. Jesus is the theme. It's the common thread. So we can baptize somebody in the name of Jesus and it fills all of it. Okay? That's Acts chapter 10. Now, you're going to think I'm about to go way off my time. Trust me, chapter 11 is short and it has very much to do with what chapter 10 happens. So they're having revival in Caesarea. God's moving. Great things. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter was come to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and did eat with them. Now, this sounds very judgmental. Understand the context. Jews don't eat with Romans. They don't mingle with Gentiles. They don't. Part of that is... The, 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 the political tension, but a lot of it has to do with the religious differences. Don't be unequally yoked, that kind of thing coming out of the Old Testament. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't practice their pagan practices. So they're very, very... St- well, guess what? Peter, who is a Reformed Jew, believes that Jesus is the Messiah. He's a Reformed Jew. That's really what he is. He's a Christian, but he's a Reformed Jew. He gets confronted by his peers. We've heard a rumor. Why are you messing with them? You know, we wouldn't do it as a Jew. We much sure wouldn't want to worship their stuff. Why are you mingling with them? And so it's a very, it's a very tentious moment. What are we going to do about this? And Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, expounded by order unto them. And, and, and for the next few verses, he talks about the vision he sees. He talks about what happens in Caesarea. And he even makes this statement. He said, and as I begin to speak, verse 15, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you should be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the light gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Peter says, this is what happened. And I, I know exactly how you feel. I didn't expect this to happen. But what could I do? They got the Holy Ghost like we did. And this was the response of the church. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, then God also, uh, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. In other words, the church got excited. They had a revelation. They got an understanding. Hey, this Holy Ghost message is for everybody. Elbow your neighbor and say it's for you. Turn to somebody else and say, and you. It's for everybody. Oh, really? Maybe that's what Peter meant when he said, for the promises unto you and to your children. You see, up to that point, they were thinking Jewish everybody. They were thinking, you're a Jew, so you're good. You're a Jew, so you're good. Doesn't matter where you're from. Everybody gets it. But now they've got a revelation of truly what it means that everybody has access to the throne of mercy. Oh, let me just go ahead and say it. If we're going to be an Acts 
Book of Acts church in the 21st century, we better get a revelation that this gospel is for everybody. Boomers and millennials. Whites, blacks, Hispanics. The rich folk and the poor folk. Educated and uneducated. Messed up, broke, busted, and disgusted. It don't matter who they are. God's message, his gospel, is for whosoever will. We cannot exclude people from the gospel. Which ought to help us. Somebody ought to get excited about that. First of all, because it's reminding us, that means me. That means all of my mistakes and all of my stupidity. I read something, I don't know, about a year or so ago. Somebody on Facebook ministry. Y'all ain't never heard of Facebook ministry. It's a real thing, apparently. Somebody posted on Facebook, said something along the lines of, you know, when God called us, just remembered he factored in our stupidity. I said, well, that was encouraging. Praise God. (laughs) But think about it. He loves us so much. His gospel is for all of us. It doesn't matter what we've done, where we've been, how far away from God we've been. The truth is the gospel is for every single person. I'm thankful for that today. I'm excited about that this weekend. I don't care who walks in the door Sunday. God can fill them with the Holy Ghost. It don't matter. I don't care what's wrong with them. I don't care how far from God they've been. I don't care how many times they've prayed through and backslid and made mistakes and hurt themselves and hurt others. It don't matter. God can still take them and work in them. Amen. Amen. Well, glory. Let's continue so we're almost done. I promise. Now, when they which were scattered abroad from the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. What are you seeing here? Luke is trying to show us the transition that's happening. They started out preaching only to the Jews, but a transition began to shift. Sometimes we try to reach who we think God wants to reach. And God wants to reach all of them. But sometimes we think we got God's perfect saint all figured out. And God said, oh man, you know what would really make a good saint? That drug addict over there. You really want to know who really do something good for me? That prostitute over there, she's got a call on her life. Well, glory. And so that's what happened. They begin to talk and they begin to preach. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. God was moving. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all. That with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Amen. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Guess what? That mentoring ministry, that discipling ministry of Barnabas shows up again. They sent him to these places and said, Go teach them. Show them what it means to be apostolic. Go show them what it means to live for Jesus. And so that's what he's doing. And then departed Barnabas to Tarshish for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. 
There was such a revival. Barnabas, with, with, with Saul's help, Barnabas is the key figure here. He's taking Saul and he's mentoring him. And they're mentoring in turn and discipling these, this new church at Antioch. And they're not Jews only. This isn't a Jew only church. This is a true Christian church. They get to looking around, they realize, well, we're not necessarily Jews and we're not necessarily Greeks. We're just followers of Jesus Christ. Hey, that should describe the church. We're followers of Jesus Christ. We are trying to be Christ-like. Notice I say that because a lot of people look at Christians and think, well, they're not perfect. Well, no. That's the goal. We're trying to be. But I hate to tell you, I still make mistakes. So I'm striving. We were talking to our kids last night. and I was teaching them, uh, doing a little devotion with them. And I told them, I said, we're all sinners. And they looked at me and my wife and said, you're not. I said, well, no, we, we, maybe we, we've made mistakes and we've sinned. But y'all got the Holy Ghost. I said, well, yeah, but we still make mistakes. Blew their little minds. We've all made mistakes, but I'm striving to be like Christ. Amen. So they're first called Christians at Antioch. And in those days, very quickly, I'm almost done. But in those days came prophets from Jerusalem, Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. He prophesied by the gifts of the Holy Ghost, gifts of the Spirit. He began to prophesy about a famine that would come and, uh, and that it would, it, would, it would begin to wipe out the economic system and cause a lot of problems and hardship. And when the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren, which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. What took place as the church service is progressing and these people are having moves of God and they're having revival, a word came to the church in Antioch that said there's about to be a problem, a dearth, a famine in Judea specifically. And the church responded by saying, you know what, if we're going to be apostolic, these folks... Helped us see truth. We're going we're gonna to bless the body. And the Bible says that they gave by their ability. not by they, they, It wasn't that everybody had equal offerings or equal ability. But they said, you know what? We're going to sacrifice and we're going to send an offering. We're going to send a, law, a love offering to the church in Jerusalem. And we're going to let them know that we're on the same team. Hey, I thank God that I thank God that we're not just uh, we're not just doing this by ourselves. We're not an island to ourselves. The truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, that the true apostolic church, and it's talked about throughout all of the book of Acts, were together. They were unified. They didn't always agree on the same issue. But they said, you know what? We're going to be unified in purpose. And we're going to share one another's burdens. And we're going to do this together. Ladies and gentlemen, that's being apostolic in the 21st century. You want to know what? I I, I love it when missionaries come. Y'all don't know how many times missionaries get their mind blown when they come to Alto. I love it. I, I have kind of a sanctified pride with it. I really do. I have to go pray and repent after a church service with y'all. I really do. Because they walk into a, a little little town, drive into a little town, 1,250 people, and come to a, 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 a church, come to Calvary Tabernacle, and, and God's blessed us, but we're not running 150 plus. Okay? Yet, I like that. You know? And, and, and these, these missionaries, I, I know how their minds work. You know, because 
preachers talk. I know how their minds work. And, 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 and I can just hear them. Well, I just, you know, maybe we'll get a partner in mission. Maybe we'll get something. And then this church, this church, last, what, two weeks ago, gave a $1,200 offering to their evangelism account, to their, to their special project. This church. Man, you should have seen their faces. You should read the thank you card. It, it just blew the, You know what, what it is? You know what it is? It's being apostolic. Saying, you know what, I can't go to Japan or Southeast Asia, but you know what I can do? I can give according to my ability as God has blessed and as God has allowed us, and we can give and we can send. Folks, that's apostolic. You're going to hear me talk about it this year. We, we, I've already mentioned it at times. But that's why we, why we do move the mission offerings and save our children offerings and, and why we have missionaries and why I say things like, hey, you need to support a missionary. Okay? It's not because we're, people are trying to get your money. It's because it's apostolic. It's apostolic to say, you know what, I can't go back to Jerusalem. But Barnabas and Saul, will you take what I have and will you take it to the church so I can be a blessing? Here's what's so cool about that is that God keeps good books. God keeps good books. And when you and I give and we, we bless the church and we, we, we come together and unify as the body, God says, oh, I can pour out my spirit like never before. I can do things now because you trust me. You'll, do, you'll, you'll listen to me. You'll trust me. You'll have faith in me. And, and, if, and if you'll let me do that, if you'll do that, then you're allowing me to work in your midst. I want God to work in our midst. Amen. 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 I want to be apostolic in the 21st century. Well, glory. Would you stand with me tonight?